Dirty Hands University presents... Hey, I think you're on mute. Unmuted. Coming to you from the makeshift main office in the Tarsi Garage. I'm Kate Tarsi, and today I'm one of the co-owners and engagement enthusiasts here at Dirty Hands. But this isn't about me, or my family, or the company, really. It's about a remote workforce of more than 150 and growing, hungry to learn, with a passion for connection, all looking for the same thing, to find their way. And this is a space for that messy discovery, whether your specialty is store level, natural foods, headquarters, or people. So rest those dirty hands and come off mute because today we're all ears. That's the intro, actually. Uh, work my ass off to protect my space, sat there for like five, maybe more minutes. And I totally chickened out. I was like, wait, you're not here to sign up for a yoga class? Because at the end of the day, they're a person, you know? And... It's disgusting. It's gross. Yeah. Uh, this is why I have her around. So, the whole reason we're here, obviously, is uh, this alumni unmuted thing. Um, which Mike Tarsi dropped in my lap. And I'm kind of happy because I've gotten to connect with Kyle and like people like you. And so really the whole point of this is to like keep the alumni family strong, which obviously like you were and now you're not. So happy about that. Um, but to give people kind of an understanding too of like what else is out there and what your day-to-day -day is and your skills that were required to like leave the nest of dirty hands. Um, I also feel like we have so many people here that are just like wanting and ready for more and doesn't always align here. So like having people have an understanding of what else is out there, what are the pathways to the industry? Like, I just feel like you've had such a unique experience, um, being at Dirty Hands, leaving and then coming back that you're the perfect person to have, um, kind of shed some light on, on all this stuff. So. I think the first thing for people that um, maybe don't know you or know kind of what happened or how it happened, um, like in your own words, like tell us kind of your evolution at Dirty Hands and where you went after that and kind of what it was, what your title and all that was. For sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like most people here, I was plucked from Whole Foods to come work uh, for Dirty Hands. Um, and I started off as an account manager. Uh, and then from there, I don't, I'm, I'm going to go blank on like the timelines here, okay. but either way, I was an account manager for a while and then um, I got promoted to RSL out here in Southern California. So I was uh, basically the right hand to Eddie Felix, who's one of the field operations managers and uh, did that for a while. And then um, I got an opportunity um, from another DH alumni uh, to go work for GT's Living Foods. Um, most of you probably know it as GT's Kombucha. Um, and I was a territory sales manager for them for, uh, for a little over a year. So basically through the entire COVID time period, that yeah. was like my whole existence there. So it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, I mean, that was, you know, in a nutshell, just kind of how it went out, how it, yeah. uh, how it worked out. I mean, what was, so at GT, what was your day to day? You'd wake up and as a, you know, territory sales manager for one brand, what, what did a like typical day look like for you? Yeah, so I mean, my day-to-day -day was very unique compared to pretty much everyone else in my position throughout that entire company because um, I was the local guy. 
I was the LA territory sales manager for an LA based company. Everybody in, like high up in that company lived in Los Angeles. So I typically wanted to start early and I was trying to, you know, trying to hustle most days. Um, and I was hitting the rule of thumb was always eight to 10 stores or eight to 10 accounts. Um, and depending on the types of accounts you were hitting, sometimes that could go up upwards of, you know, 12 to even 15. And um, it wasn't just grocery stores. It was wherever the product was sold. So I was going from everywhere from Whole Foods to Devon's to even like, you know, like Vallarta to gas stations, liquor stores, cafes, yoga studios, anywhere that I could either maintain our business or grow our business and create new business. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would, I would hit stores pretty much all day. Um, one day out of the week, I, I had about like like half a day to work on some admin stuff where I was in charge of, you know, having to, you know, create presentations of what I was able to accomplish that week and stuff that I have going on for the next week and, um, you know, send that into my direct report. And yeah, that was probably the, the extent of like the office work that I had. Um, other people did more office work. Um, but uh, their territories are a little bit more lax than mine. Mine was very cutthroat. Um, you know, Southern California already is like a hotbed for natural products, yeah. natural food, but um, especially for our company, um, or well, for GTs, you know, being the category leader for so long, yeah. um, eventually all these other companies started coming along and some good ones like, you know, like your health aids and your brew doctors where they're, you know, the only space to eat at is GT space. So it was, a constant battle of I need to get out in the field before everybody else and I need to you know work my ass off to protect my space and to go and gain more space and you know open new business and uh, yeah. yeah it was a battle every single day there was never a day where I wasn't out putting out some form of a fire so yeah yeah <laughs> it's it a firefighter at GT's <laughs> yeah. it reminds me of being in New York City too where like a lot of people had their main, like their either their CEO or somebody lived down the street or whatever. And there was just like always the threat of the pop in, you know, with an LA based company. And that's like your biggest fear is somebody who owns the company walking into a store and having it look horrible. <laughs> yeah. And it happened several times where um, the owner, GT Dave himself would pop in somewhere and yeah, you know, something didn't look great. And you know, it wasn't necessarily my fault, but either way, I'm the one that can handle the situation. So it was always kind of a all hands on deck kind of thing. Like you need to drop what you're doing and go take care of this because he just saw this and it's not good. Um, and most of the time, you know, rightfully so. It was a nightmare of some sort, but either way, like that would happen quite a bit where the owner, the founder, the guy on the bottle walked yeah. in and didn't <laughs> like something. Now I got to go fix it. Yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. What, um, what do you think were um, the skills or the competencies or the things that you had to have in that role with GT? Um, well, definitely had to be self-motivated. Um, you know, here, I think we're, we're all really used to having like a very specialized kind of role. You know, if you're on the Whole Foods team, like that's what you do. And Sprouts, you know, you, that's what you take care of. Over here, or just working for a brand in general, um, you figure out like, wow, like our product is everywhere and everybody's trying to handle everything at once. It feels like, so there really isn't as much, you know, 
hand-holding, especially even out of the gate for someone new, it's kind of like, hey, like, you know what the, the goal is, is to maintain and build business. Yeah. Go out there and do it and, you know, hit your priority accounts and just kind of take care of it. So being self-motivated, um, you know, to, all right, this is what I'm going to do today. This is where I need to be. You know, I'm going to go do it and I'm going to you know, just do what I got to do and make sure the job gets done. So self-motivated, um, uh, proactive too. You know, you got to be kind of on your toes, like especially with, you know, GT is a big brand with lots of different lines. It's almost like a brand with a bunch of brands within it. Yeah. Um, you know, if we had a new product launch coming on, um, it was important to know like, okay, well, these are the markets they're going into. I'm going to go start talking about it now, start negotiating like, hey, where's this product going to go? So it doesn't get stuck in the well, yeah. you know, near the bathrooms or something crazy like that. You know, so being proactive is a big one. Um, and also having thick skin. I mean, I think you need to have thick skin in any facet of working in, you know, just the grocery store world in general, whether it's conventional, natural, or independent, but really having thick skin, um, working for a, a brand directly is, is huge. Cause, um, there isn't a bunch of other brands that you get to talk about. This yeah. is your brand. And if you walk in and, you know, thankfully it was a strong brand. So a lot of yeah. people wanted to talk to me, but there was a lot of people that didn't want to talk to me. And, um, if you're not used to getting told no or getting told to, you know, go pound sand, yeah, um, it's going to be a, a wake up, a rude wake up call for you. So got to have thick skin for sure. What was the biggest difference for you, um, positive or negative, like in dealing with one brand versus, uh, you know, a portfolio of brands? Um, well, I would say the, the main positive for working for one brand, even though it was a huge brand, um, was just the fact that you can dump all of your focus into one thing. Yeah. And, you know, it was nice going into accounts and being like, you know what, if I win for GTs today, whether it's for, you know, any of their lines, mm -hmm. like that means I've won at this store today. And yeah. that doesn't change here. You know, if you win for one brand out of 30 brands, like, hey, you still got to win today. Like, that's great. But um, it was nice just knowing like, this is my sole purpose is to make sure that this brand succeeds. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side of that, the negative was I only have one brand to work with. And it was cool for a while, you know, being able to become like a specialist of a certain space within a store. But, um, you know, you miss working with the other stuff and, you know, being like a highly perishable refrigerated brand, it, it can be limiting. So you are kind of limited to certain things within some stores. So that was yeah. probably the downside of it. But um, I would say the big positive was just being able to focus on one thing yeah. all the time. How difficult was it for you to go into other retailers? Like, you know, having been in Whole Foods and lived and died there, like how difficult <laughs> walk into a yoga studio and say, Hey, I am, you know, is it, is it <sighs> harder? Is it the same? Like, what's it like? It's harder. Is it's harder. Yeah. It's harder and it's uncomfortable and you get used to it. You get used yeah. to, you know, fine tuning your your spiel like what you're gonna say you get used to you know speaking the language that these people want to speak because something you got to keep in mind is you know at whole foods you're talking to a team leader or a decision maker and they just work for whole foods that's yeah. you know they still clock out and they get to go home they don't got to worry about it when you walk into for instance a cafe or even a liquor store that person that you're talking to that makes decisions most likely owns the place mm -hmm. and they don't care about your product. They don't care how well it sells here or there. They want to know what kind of deal you're going to cut them mm -hmm. and how are you going to help them? They want to be helped 
more than they end up helping you, which yeah. I get it makes sense, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's super uncomfortable. In the beginning, I was, I think my first week, I didn't go into a single, we would just call everything that wasn't like a grocery store, we just called it DSD, mm-hmm. even, you know, up and down the street type business. Uh, I didn't hit a single like DSD account my first week because I was terrified. I think that Friday, I think I pulled up to a liquor store that looked like it was going to be a good one. And I think I sat there for like five, maybe more minutes. And I totally chickened out. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go hit the Whole Foods down the street instead. <laughs> just because I was so scared. It's like, oh, yeah. like, I don't even know how to start. But yeah. it, you get used to it. You get used yeah. to being uncomfortable, which is, you know, another big one that I wish I could have added to the beginning was uh, get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you kind of know that you're on the path to doing something that's going to either help you grow or help you see something that you've never seen. And like, I think it's such a great thing for you to admit to as somebody who has a ton of grocery experience that like you never get to a point where like you know it all and you've been everywhere and you know especially if you're starting something new like to hear that you are so nervous that you can't go into an account is like refreshing and probably really makes other people who are either new to the job or are kind of nervous about getting out of dirty hands and into the industry like makes them feel a little better you know yeah totally and and there's even been times too where i've walked in and you know yeah hey is the you know is the manager here or is so and so here and they're like yeah he's right over there and you go and look and he looks like he's in a terrible mood Maybe. or he's yeah or something and you just you're like ah, i think i'll come back next time and they just walk out just because again it's it's daunting it's super yeah. daunting but again once you get used to the lingo and just just getting to the point that's kind of what they always want is get to the point yeah especially when you walk in somewhere really foreign like a yoga studio where it's like yeah. wait wait you're not here to sign up for a yoga class like why are we talking then like yeah. <laughs> you know yeah i yeah. want to sell you some kombucha so. yeah yeah no you you bring up a good point about the language too like in in the ecosystem of whole foods or the indies or you know everybody kind of is speaking the same language but you walk into a yoga studio where it's completely different and she doesn't know or he doesn't know you know they're at you know from their elbow when it comes to all of that stuff so your approach has to be probably more nuanced and you know like you said like straight to the point so that you don't lose their attention yeah yeah especially in today's day and age you know the, the attention spans are shrinking as we speak so you got to keep it got to keep it quick get to the point and uh, a big challenge I would run into regularly, and I'll, you know, to end on this, uh, most people outside of the natural food world didn't even know what kombucha was, still to this day. Yeah. Like, what is it? And you're like, at first you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what kombucha is? But it's like, no, I mean, you, you get stuck in the, the whole foods or the indie world, yeah. and you get caught up thinking that it's like one of the hottest categories, it's been around forever, but then you go into some of these places and they're like, is it soda? And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, either way, that was another challenge too, is be prepared to, you know, to explain to them what it is and the origins of it and give them a quick rundown of that too. So yeah. Education. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it, you know, my dad always talks about Red Bull and when he was introducing Red Bull and how, you know, Red Bull kind of tastes like, sh- and he would have to, you know, kind of tell people, Hey, like, it might taste like shit 
but like there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason that, you know, that you drink it. He, he used the analogy of like Listerine, you know, like, you know what Listerine is? Do you think Listerine tastes good? No, it doesn't, but like, it's gonna help clean your teeth. And I, I feel like it's kind of the same with kombucha. Like, you know, not not to, not always does everybody drink it because it's this, you know, great tasting thing. It's It's got, you know, it's got something that, that helps you. And so, yeah, to have to explain that to, yeah, somebody that is not walking around and, in the natural food world all the time. I mean, I think about myself and how, yeah, tasting kombucha at the beginning, I was just like, this is disgusting, you know? <laughs> this is gross. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. Really good things for me if I'm gonna drink it. <laughs> yeah, am I gonna sprout wings? Yeah. Or am I gonna yeah. be able to I'm read people's minds? Yeah, in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, something that surprised you about working for a brand or in the industry outside of Dirty Hands? Um, excuse me. Um, something that surprised me was, um, and I, I, I think it's probably, it's most likely like this everywhere. I think I was set up for success and a little bit of failure by working at Dirty Hands because everyone here is so, so helpful and so connected at all times yeah. that when I went to GT's, um, I had some really great, all of my management on the sales side of the business was great. Everybody there was great. A lot of mentors that, you know, a lot of friends that I still call friends to this day. They were, they were awesome. But it was very like, I remember on day three, it was kind of like, all right, cool. Like go out and hit the trade by yourself. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, wow, like that's it. Like I got one day with someone, like one day of like paperwork, one day of like, yeah, we'll drive around together. And then that was yeah. it. And I remember being shocked, like, wow, like, at Dirty Hands, I got a I got a week with my my field operations manager when I first started, basically, and then I got a week shadowing someone else, and um, I was just so shocked at how quickly they were just like, go ahead, toss you into the fire, and it, it even it was even not only with like the infield stuff, but also with a lot of the admin work. Where I remember at the end of my first week, it was on a Thursday. I remember my boss being like, "All right, cool." So um weekly wins that was like our presentation we had to turn in. He's like, "That's due tomorrow at end of day." like that and I was like cool like what's that he's like and I could tell in the moment he was like a little irritated like let's where you know you make a presentation with everything you did this week yeah. and I was like um how do I do that and he was like through PowerPoint and it was just constantly like like how do you not know this and I was just trying not to sound like a total newbie but at the same time being like dude like nobody's taught me how to do this yeah yeah and either way yeah it was a a pretty steep learning curve and it wasn't anything that you know everybody here could figure it out yeah but i was just very shocked at how quickly they just kind of tossed me into the fire and it, i don't think it was in a bad like out of like a negative place or anything i just think yeah. that working for a brand like everybody's so busy all the time yeah. that they just don't necessarily have the time to kind of walk you through everything yeah yeah and maybe that was just my experience um but that was the shocking part for me was like by the end of week one like i was spent yeah like i was so exhausted of like wow this has just been a mentally and physically just tough week yeah um but again it, it, i wouldn't trade it it was still fun and i yeah. you know i'm glad for the experience but it was definitely an eye-opener being like wow like, that's it huh just throw yeah. me out there yeah so. yeah yeah i you know we talk about like what are the things that you wished um, you had gotten more of at Dirty Hands so that you, you know, felt more prepared? Or, and so that's like a catch-22. It's like, 
you know, one of your competencies and one of the skills that that's needed when you go work for a brand is like this kind of, you know, self-starter, figure it out, trial by fire. And I think we had to do that a lot in the beginning. Like, I feel like that's kind of how I was trained, like two days and you're out the door and, you know, you're driving <laughs> the car a lot. But yeah, yeah, as a, yeah, as an established brand, um, you know, you, you would like, maybe, I don't know, maybe your rep maybe your reputation and where you came from, like they were able to give you, you know, that they knew the, the kind of person that you were and the kind of caliber of, you know, talent that you were, and you were coming from a place where you juggled a, a bunch of things and a bunch of different brands. And, you know, it's kind of a testament to like, you know, you, they, they trusted you pretty early on to go and represent the brand in a, in a positive way, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, if you, when you say it like that, it's like, yeah, it was flattering because, um, you know, the person that kind of put my name out there to, to get that job was someone from Dirty Hands, yeah. you know, previously. And um, I know he, he talked me up quite a bit. So I know coming in, like everyone was like, yeah, you know, you know, so-and-so has a lot of yeah. great things to say about you. Um, so maybe that was part of it. But yeah, um, yeah it's definitely an eye opener. And, and when I think about like what Dirty Hands could have done to prep me for that, I... Yeah it's like the only answer would be, well, I wish everybody that I worked with here was worse at their jobs. And then I would have been more prepared for like <laughs> getting tossed into the fire. Like, no, like I don't, yeah. it's nobody's fault here. Like, um, yeah. I mean, and again, there's like little technical things that I could have been more prepared for, but again, it wasn't because nobody taught me. It's just because we yeah. have a different system. You know, we use over here, we use Slack and we use Google sheets and Google docs yeah. over there. They use Microsoft Teams and mm -hmm. Excel and PowerPoint. It's just like all different things. So it's like, yeah. I just ha I just had to figure it out. Yeah, no, small. that's a good, that's that's a great example of like different platforms and different ways of doing things like that. Yeah, maybe we wouldn't have known, but it'd be nice, you know, would have been nice maybe to have more exposure. That That's what Kyle said, like exposure to more things, you know, how does a DSD work? How, you know, distribution, like, to, to be exposed to more things than just like our world at, you know, at Dirty Hands and our world at Whole Foods or our world in the Indies. Like he said that he was able to go a lot deeper with one brand, um, you know, like 50 feet deep versus like, you know, how wide you have to go when you represent 30, 34 brands, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, if I could add to that really quick. Yeah. Um, I, to second him on it really um i guess that'd be the only thing that i wish i had experience with and i think i would have got more of this if i worked on the indie side where you're dealing with like what i consider like you know true selling yeah but um i had to learn how to like sell something like past like just hey like my stuff's going on sale can i have this yeah. or can we do this or like if i come in and do this can i get that it's like, no, it was a lot more of like going into like on the DSD side of the business, going in and being like, hey, you know, each case, each case is a six pack, each case is $16. But mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, like if you do five, like I can give you a six one for free. And, you know, if you're really concerned, like I can, maybe we can work on doing like a rotating deal to where if you yeah. always order eight, you'll get the ninth one or something like that. Yeah. And um, being ready to kind of to talk money. Like, and you know, how much is it going to cost if you order X, Y, and Z? And how much is it going to cost if you order X, Y, and Z through this distributor? You know, that was something that it took me a long time to get the hang of. Thankfully, I had some really like, you know, strong leadership. And one of my, my first kind of boss over there, 
used to work for Dora's in New York City. So he knew all about the DSD game and how to like really sell. Mm -hmm. So he was a great resource for me, but that was like, that was the scariest thing in the world was when someone had a question outside of like, you know, what's the product? And then they started asking questions like, all right, well, how much is the case? And like, how, when am I going to get it? Like, who can I order for it? Like, that was like, whoa, was not ready for that. But again, I figured it out and uh, I'm really glad that I can kind of speak that language as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Money side. (laughs) Give, um, you know, there's a, there's a young tiny baby Joshi out in the the world of dirty hands. They're, you know, wondering if they've got what it takes, like give somebody who's interested in leaving the dirty hands nest some advice. What would you, what would you say? If someone, okay. If other little baby Josh wanted to go work for Joe's kombucha or something, um, I would say like, I want to cuss so bad, but I won't. Um, be, <laughs> always bleep be, it out too, so go ahead. Be prepared to eat um, And I, I honestly, I mean, I would tell people that here, is be prepared for that because you're going to get told no and you're going to get told like, I don't have time for you. Um, I would say that it gets, it, it's almost a little bit more intense, you know, depending on the brand that you work for. I mean, if you work for you know, something that doesn't involve liquor stores, you might not have this experience, but um, be prepared for people to really like question, like, why are you, like, why are you here? Why are you wasting my time? Yeah. Have thick skin. Um, you know, a, a lot of the advice I kind of gave earlier, like the, the things that I think you need, like, you know, you got to be self-motivated. There isn't going to be someone necessarily pumping out like your directives on Monday. So like, hey, this is what I want you to focus on this week. It's like, no, like you, here's a, Here's a pile of information. It's not organized well. You need to sift through this and you need to prioritize what needs to get done. And, you know, I guess to sum it up too, like if you were to go work for a brand, you will most almost guaranteed be treated as if like, hey, this is your territory. This is your business. Yeah. Yeah, you work for GTs or yeah, you work for, you know, whatever, but this territory is your business. So what would you do to make it successful and profitable? Yeah. And once you adopt that mindset, it, you know, it kind of makes things harder and a little bit more stressful, but that's when you become more successful at the job is when you have some ownership over the territory. And yeah, I just be ready to take ownership, be ready to to eat some, you know what? And um, yeah, I mean, just that's be okay a, with being uncomfortable. <laughs> that's a great, um, I think a big difference too between dirty hands and, um, you know, outside or at a brand, like the level of creativity, like nobody's handing you all of your voids, all of your work, like you, it sounds like you are looking at a lot of data and coming up with a lot of that yourself, which is very different, you know, from here. We, we've got a lot of people that whose job it is to look at that and to give it to the teams, you know, in a usable, actionable place. But I think that's a great point that like, the more that we can give people the hard data or the information and let them come up with the plan, like that's a skill that obviously benefited you. And, you know, you had to kind of come up with that on the fly. I think that's a, a really something that we could offer more here at Dirty Hands, you know, like here's, Here's not so much the directive, but like, you know, it has to get done. How can we apply what you know about it? And how can you make, be a part of at least making the plan of how it's gonna get done versus always, you know, 
here's the plan, go do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely creates for like, you know, some really great efficiency here. Like we have a lot of great people that, you know, can take the hard feedback from the brand, like our brand managers and yeah. filter it down to where it's not gonna hurt people's feelings. They don't take it personally and they don't take their foot off the gas for the brand. Um, there's a lot of people that can get a hold of data and can kind of you know divvy that out but um yeah i mean it's over at least over there i mean it was either anything from sales data that was again like i was in charge to kind of go through and know yeah. all my data too they want they expected you to know everything yeah. and to be aware of like you know where are your top accounts which ones are you know you know growing in a positive way which ones are you know declining why are they declining what can we do to fix that you know, and then also another cool thing we have here is that we always know what's going on promo. We have Airtable, which is beautiful and all the information's right there. Um, over there, like we would get all of our promo information, but typically it was in an ugly, hard to read Excel file from a broker. And half the time it was, it was just hard to read. But again, like you have to be on top of your promos. Like there's nobody there saying like, hey, don't forget about the promo next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no like it never failed that you know every now and then you walk into a store and you're like oh we're on sale here and it's like oh, damn like i missed that somehow yeah and uh just being on top of your stuff like it's 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 your business that's the way you got to treat it and that's the way they're going to expect you to treat it so yeah yeah that's yeah. a really good i think a really great thing for for people to know and for us to be aware of too as like we're looking to better prepare people um, yeah, it's not always like the best handing somebody something on a silver platter and saying, here you go, this is all of your, this is everything you need to get done versus like, let's look at this together and maybe create some, some type of plan together so that you have a little more ownership. Yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely help. I mean, I think it's, it's not for everyone. Some people, yeah. you know, they appreciate it being made a little bit easier to understand, but for the people that want to know more, I mean, that would be the challenge that, you know, at least I would issue them is like, here, like here's all the data, like you go through your stores and you tell me where you can improve the situation. How would you do it? And you know, you can challenge certain folks. So it's also yeah. probably easier for one brand versus 30 plus. Oh, oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah, I would imagine the files that we would yeah. send people with all of our brands. Yeah, right. That'd be, that'd be pretty heavy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my I have like two more. Um, I remember my question. Um, yeah. So a dirty hands, obviously, uh, the way that we primarily at the beginning brought value was hands, you know, sweat equity, unpacking, throwing load, like doing a lot of physical things. And I know going to a brand, if you're seeing 10 stores a day, like the value add has to be a little bit different. So what how did you bring value to places, um, you know, where you weren't necessarily throwing load for an hour or you had 10 other stops that you had to go to and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't do it that way. What was like, what, how did you add value to places like that? Yeah. So I will say GTs is a very, at least in, well, even in conventional accounts, like it's a, it's a big brand and it sells really well in most places, especially out here. So it never failed. Like I was constantly walking into a good amount of work and especially okay. in like some Whole Foods, like I could get stuck there for a long time, just packing cases. But you're right. That was a, an adjustment for me. It was like, wow, like there's some times where I walk in and there's not a single case for me to throw. I'm literally, if I just did the bare bones, like I'm going to take 
a before picture, yeah. paste my product in an after picture. And if there's no one to talk to, then it's like, okay, I'm out. But yeah. the way that at least I could add value was I get being prepared, you know, knowing your stuff, knowing about promotions, you know, having a game plan for the future. Like, Hey, like I'm going to be on sale. Like I want to try to get that E3 cooler in produce. Or I want to try to get into this cooler in the front of the store, whatever, being prepared to talk, not just going up and be like, Hey, what's up, dude. Right. How's it going? That's it. All right, cool. Well, I'm out of yeah. here. Like be prepared to talk about something. Yeah. Um, and also too, like something that I think would go a long way and like being in at GTs and getting to meet other like sales reps from different companies, like you figure out who's good and who isn't. Yeah. And the really good ones are the ones that have a personality and just like I, they're, well, let me take that back. Like, let me rewind a little bit. Um, the really good sales reps out there are really hard to forget. Mm. They come in and they leave lasting impressions. And whether that's going in and, you know, being in a good mood all the time or energetic, or even if it's just speaking the language of the retailer too, yeah. uh, that went a long way for me was going in and, you know, like in, for instance, Bonds and Albertsons, um, the product was brought in through produce. So every time I'm talking to someone, I'm talking to somebody in produce, they're produce people. They have to deal with the juices, but they don't know anything about any of that. But being able to talk about talk to them about their stuff, the stuff that they normally care about, being able to talk about produce, talk about their managers and what they got going on as a company, like that kind of stuff goes a long way. And yeah, it's it's nice when you can go in and throw a bunch of product for them. They love that. But it didn't happen all the time. And I would say the next best thing I could have done was just be memorable. Mm-hmm. Not be someone that you're not, but yeah. Don't be afraid to, you know, to be vulnerable and to talk about life and to, you know, to, you know, just be a, a person with yeah. them. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, they're a person, you know, and yeah, I don't know. I, I know that's kind of a long winded answer, but I would say the, you know, my most important weapon that I had was my relationships. Yeah. And that's the same thing here, but it, it's even more so when you work for a brand and there might not always be a lot to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Kyle brought up the same thing, like, you know, level of preparation that went into making a visit had to be a little bit more thought out versus just relying on the relationship, especially because you may not see that person as often. And, um, you know, I think too, at dirty hands, like we think we have to be these smooth, slick salesmen or women, but just going into being yourself and having people react and respond to like who you are as a person like that's really at the core of dirty hands and can be probably used anywhere in the world whether it's gts or at the gas station like it doesn't matter you going in and being a a good decent person on top of like being prepared and knowing your shit is like a triple and and if i could add one more thing um one thing that's going to happen and I, I know it's going to happen to whoever goes and works for a brand is that you're going to become you're going to enter into this almost like constant desperation state where you're like I got to win today I got to win today I need to win for the brand because I need to talk I need something to report on at the end of the week yeah. or I need to I need to be productive so it's only natural for you to become a tad bit more selfish and only think about yourself because if you go into an account and there's nothing there for you, like you need to go and go to the next one. Don't waste your time. Yeah. But it goes a super long way if you are able to walk in 
And if let's say you wanted to grab that space over there and they said, no, nah, man, like so-and-so from this company is going to get it or nah, like you're not supposed to be in there. The planner calls for this. Or if you were in a place and they took you out and they, you know, you might want to be upset or you might be stressed, but it's, it's important for you to, to pick your battles and to read the room and be like, Hey man, that's all good. Like you guys do what you got to do. I ain't trying to step on any toes. Yeah. Or even if like, they need to pull your stuff out of a cooler and they're going to do it. It's like, no, nah, man, like I'll go ahead and pull it out and I'll work it to the shelf. Yeah. That kind of stuff goes a long way. And I think you'll, you'll see that the, the reps that shoot themselves in the foot are the ones that allow that to get out and to show how selfish they are to the retailer. Yeah. And that can burn a bridge for you forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Read the room guys. Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last question for you is, um, so you have been an account manager, you've been an RSL, you've worked for a brand in your current role now, which I know is like, we talk about pioneering, we talk about being a self-starter, like you've got two other people on your team, like Mike and, and Dan Simpson, like what did you learn at GT's that is now helping you in this conventional role. And maybe before you answer that, tell us a little bit about your role today and kind of like what you're doing and, and shed some light on the program for people that might not know. Yeah, so as of right now, I'm the uh, conventional market lead for SOPEC. Um, <clears throat> since the program isn't in full existence yet, my role isn't quite what it's going to be in the future. As of right now, I'm mainly doing a lot of research and development with Mike and Dan, just trying to discover, you know, what, what's possible and what to expect from these retailers, you know, when we do decide to roll out a program. When the program starts, I'll be in a role that's very similar to like a field operations manager role, I'd imagine, where it's just, I'm, you know, I'm managing a group of people and doing everything that I can to make sure that they have the tools that they need to succeed in their stores and on their routes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, to go back to the, the well, first question, that's supposed to be the second part of this question. <laughs> um, I would say, well, besides a lot of the retailer knowledge that I got, so learning how a lot of these places operate, that was a huge help being able to come in here and know exactly like, okay, I know what they can and can't do for the most part. I know the language that they use, so we can talk about that already. I know where the product's coming from, like all the little stuff, like that helped a lot. But I would say the ultimate thing that helped me at least get ready for this job was bringing it back to being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's like the biggest thing that I learned working at GTs was just like, there's so many situations that kind of sucked. They were so stressful going into, and I hated it, you know, at least for a while when I wasn't used to it. Cause yeah. I went from being in a place where all the groundwork had been laid for me. Like yeah. I knew exactly what needed to happen, who I needed to talk to, what I could talk to them about, what I couldn't. But then coming to GTs was like, oh my God, like I, I have to find this all out myself kind of thing. And um, that helped me a lot coming in here and being able to walk into a Target or a Vons. And even though I knew certain things about certain parts of the store, it made me feel better about walking in and walking right up to that manager that I've never met before and giving them the rundown of who Dirty Hands is and why we're here and you know what I do. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was, that's been the biggest thing that now that doesn't mean that like I'm invincible. I still get nervous talking to some people. I'm a human being. Like there's certain people I do, they look kind of scary. I don't know yeah. if I want to talk to them, but I've come a long way 
um, since I was at Dirty Hands previous, worked at GTs and until now. And that was probably the biggest thing was just thicker skin, just being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So the wait time in your car is definitely less than it than it was. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now nowadays I can prep what I need to say, and even if I know it's outlandish, I'm like, whatever. I'm going in there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go talk to him. I'm gonna go talk to her, and if she tells me to, you know, to get out of my store, then it's like cool. Now nobody really says that to you unless you're a jerk. Yeah. But Just still, your like, mind. yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta prepare for the worst. You gotta be prepared for them to swing on you almost. Just be ready yeah. for that, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have really enjoyed this. I know, like, since you left, like, I'm just life in the way. So I'm glad, like, there is a, there was a reason for us to sit down and catch up and check and like just check in. And uh, this, I think, your evolution is so. Uh, interesting to me because of all the positions you've held and the fact that like you had the confidence to go out into the, the big bad world and to come back too with what you've known. I, I, I know that, um, you know, the perception of you in this company is that you are, you having left to go to another brand made you a, a better person for us, you know, and, and a better candidate for this job. And I think that is huge. Like talk about being uncomfortable and putting yourself out there and trying something new and then bringing that information back to go and pioneer a new branch of the business. It's just really impressive. And I think it's really inspiring like for people to know about. And I don't think enough people know your story. So that's why you were top of my list of people that I wanted to talk to for this. This is perfect platform to get people to understand kind of what's possible and what can be gained and then what can hopefully maybe be used here again so i'm really pumped and i'm i'm pumped that you're back too which you already know because i was very upset when you left <laughs> I, I yeah i, I, so I remember that i remember that phone call it was one of the first ones i had to make oh man but no i i appreciate everything you just said and um yeah i mean I, i'm super happy to be back and even though it was hard to leave, I still wouldn't trade anything that I did because again, it put me in the spot that I'm in right now and I'm happy with where I'm at. And yeah. uh, I couldn't have gotten here unless I, you know, took a leap. Yeah. And, you know, something that, you know, my Kate, my wife always says is uh, life happens outside the comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, I was very comfortable here, yeah. but something came up and it was uncomfortable to think about, but yeah, sometimes you just got to try stuff. Yeah. And uh, you never know what it can bring. You never know what can be on the other side of that, that risk. So. And, you know, it's worth saying, like, just because you're back, like, doesn't mean you're back, like, you're indebted, indebted to any of this. Like, I just, you know, wherever you are, no matter who you're with, like, you are dirty forever. And that's whether you <laughs> So I, I know you know that, but it's worth saying. So. No, thank you. I appreciate it, Kate. I'm really <laughs> glad you had me on this call. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, I will let you get back to your actual job. Thank you again. And yeah, I'll, hopefully we get to chat soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do a part two. Let's do a, I know, let's I know. About more stuff. <laughs> and I, I got a little something coming your way too as a thank you for all this. So I appreciate oh, it. <laughs> good luck with, with your gals at home. And yeah, just really good to see your face and to talk to you. Likewise. Good to see you. Much love to you and your family. Okay, you too. See ya. Alrighty.